stats, booms, busts, sleepers. Listen to Adam and Vincent with Fantasy Pandemic on Monday and Thursday evenings via Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Be sure to follow them on Twitter at Fantasy Pandemic, at Fantasy Cajun, and at FF Little Finger. Welcome to another edition of the Fantasy Pandemic Podcast. I am your host, Mr. At Fantasy Cajun himself, along with my co-host, Mr. FF Littlefinger, Vincent Argrave. We are back from a little pandemic vacation, I guess you could say, Vincent. Yeah, you know, sometimes you got to get away and you come back and expect it all to be better and, you know, the world's on fire. So, pandemic continues and we've just pivoted to other issues. So, we are the distraction you might not deserve, but it's the one you get either way. Yeah, so you know, you're right. You, you're absolutely right. We just seems like we have switched from one pandemic to another now, and you know it's very unfortunate what's happened out in the world. But you know, my thoughts and prayers are with uh, with those. Uh, but anyways, we did have something happen over the past week, and that was on Saturday. We had our own uh, dynasty rookie mock draft or rookie draft, excuse me. Uh, and it, it went four rounds. We had an hour between each pick. Uh, there was uh, a lot of trading happening. I was very surprised that you know, the, the amount of trades that were happening because I thought maybe people would be a little bit hesitant because this is a lot of people's first rookie uh, rookie draft for a dynasty league. But no, people were really not gun shy. I mean, out of the first 24 picks, I think 16 of them, or I'm sorry, 14 of them were traded. So people weren't gun shy and people went up and got the players that they wanted. Um, people, you know, fell back and collected some picks, maybe even collected some players. And, uh, you know, all in all, I, I, it was a very entertaining draft. And I, I look forward to having another one next year. Yeah, no doubt. I, uh, I unfortunately, coming back from vacation, I had a laundry list of honeydew things and at one point i was in the smallest furthest spot of my attic trying to freaking uh rewire something and at other points i was at hobby lobby so i uh i definitely am going to allocate uh an afternoon of nothing but uh being able to focus on the draft so um but regardless with all that because of the way with the slow draft still very much able to enjoy it and uh, be involved as much as I could. Well, I will say I this: while you may have been out doing the honeydews, uh, my wife did leave me with two kids uh, until about four o'clock. So I had both kids when the draft started, uh, trying to manage my two children and try to draft. And what wasn't the easiest thing? I wish uh, I, w- I wouldn't have had the, the two picks in the first round at that point, just because it was uh, kind of difficult to manage and kind of keep an eye on. But I made it happen, and. Uh, I kind of, I don't know if I, I I felt gun shy on my second pick and I'll, I'll tell you about a trade that was on the table and I'd just be curious to hear your thoughts on it but uh, you know we'll kick off the draft and you know like we said you know trades were kind of hot and heavy in the first round and Cordell not only does he move up to three uh, with my little brother Tyler who moved back but then he which, right, he, Cordell, which Cordell started, started one hundred four he moves up to one hundred three. Then he moves up to 101 and Mike moves back to 103 and he acquires, you know, the quarterback that he desperately needed. You know, he went up and got his guy. His two quarterbacks in the Superflex League were Kirk Cousins and A. Dalton. He went up and got Joe Burrow. It, it was a must-have. He, he was either going to have Tua or he was going to have Joe Burrow. He went up and got his guy. I applaud him for going up and getting, you know, uh, a future franchise quarterback, someone like Joe Burrow. 
Uh, I think it was a great pick. I kind of wondered uh, about Mike, you know, passing on there because he's got Aaron Rodgers and he's got Ryan Tannehill, and his quarterbacks were a little questionable because you're not sure what's going to happen with Rodgers. Uh, you know, Tannehill just signed this nice contract with Tennessee, but can he stay consistent? But Mike ends up answering quarterback later in the draft. But uh, bravo to Cordell moving up, going to get Joe Burrow. Right, and honestly, I think uh, Mike's one of Mike's best draft picks was, yes. you know, picking Herbert where he did um, later in the draft based off of who he needs. But Cordell's quarterback list is this, Kirk Cousins, Andy Dalton. So, like you said, desperate for a quarterback. Um, you know, I was on the fence on if I thought it was a great trade because, you know, he made the move he needed to make with your brother who was not in the, the running for a quarterback. And Cordell really didn't give up much. You know, he traded the – swapped the 104 and the 103, and he gave up his 304. Um, that pick ended up being Lynn Bowden Jr. For moving up one spot to almost guarantee yourself to a – I think was um, a really good play um, because I think every – you know, was the, the word was out that you were all in on um, Clyde. So, everybody felt pretty good. And if Cordell suffered and got Clyde, you know, he would have had a lot of options to trade for a mid-tier probably quarterback. But – um, then he, you know, he makes the gamble and like, you, like, you know, it, what is too much for if Joe Burrow is the franchise quarterback and that's your guy and now you have your guy forever. So, you know, arguably there's nothing too much, you know, I mean, the Saints gave up, you know, two drafts for, you know, a player one time. So in a dynasty super flex, you would give up a lot more and Cordell gave up the 101, well, excuse me, Cordell got the 101, gave up the 103. So he you know, moved up two spots and he gave up the 204, which Mike did great with by getting Herbert. But Cordell also got the 301 and the 307. So arguably, you know, I, Cordell, because Mike drafted well, it worked out very well for him. But Cordell, in my opinion, won the draft because somehow he still got two thirds, went the 101. So, you know, uh, I know that there were a lot of big offers on the table early. Uh, Mike was shopping that 101 and that's a, that's a luxury situation where nobody else was really moving, or I guess nobody else was making, you know, uh, brew a big enough offer. So really, I think it worked out for both teams. But I, when it's all said and done, Cordell moved a whole lot, but he really didn't give up much because the three or four he gave to your brother to trade up one spot, he got two thirds back from Mike to get the one on one. So, you know, he did a real good job at this point with his trade decisions. So, you know, kudos for him in the first, you know, two hours of the draft. Yeah. Um, he's, he really made smart some smart moves and moved up, you know, uh, unfortunately I was giving Mike hell the entire time, man, because he was winding that clock and that entire clock down as we all sat here and waited in angst. And I, I was, you know, giving my, my guards and I'm working a trade. I'm working a trade. I was like, all right, man, you know, and here he is at the three minute mark. He starts pulling fucking trades out of his ass. Ends up pulling Terry McLaurin in my head. I might add one of these trades. Yeah, I, we were, I was going to talk about that one in a little bit. No, and that might have been – honestly, that was oh, by far the yeah. best trade, in my opinion. Um, and that was the and that was the one trade too many, I thought, James made. I, James realistically could have won the draft. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty big trade on trade. his part, trading uh, Terry McLaurin like that. <clears throat> so, you know, Mike does move out of the first spot, but he moves back to three and picks up Terry McLaurin in the process of a couple trades. Um uh, and that trade enabled him to give that 307. So, you know, it's, it's about how you value the pick. And Mike obviously um, undervalued or maybe reasonably valued the one-on-one. If he was not in the interest of a quarterback, then that pick doesn't hold the value of anything 
to the 104. You know, if he was definitely going running back there, then he, it was either going to be Clyde, Jonathan Taylor, or Dobbins. And I think you can't go wrong with any of those guys. And you could argue Swift falls into that tier too, which some of this, you know, really pushed back some. Well, there's a certain pick that pushed back a lot of these guys. But, you know, Mike undervalued that pick compared to what maybe it could have been worth. But it's only worth what somebody's going to want to pay. And I think he, he maximized, but I think Cordell maximized what he got off of it. And, you know, you know, uh, Bruce trade with James, like you said, which happened before that, that everybody's like, him, you know, he's like, he's working a trade, he's working a trade. And then this trade goes through and we're like, wah, 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 <laughs> like the anticlimactic trade of the draft. But, you know, James gets the 201, but he gives up Terry McLaurin and the 305 and the 307. So, you know, Mike had the luxury of just – under getting underpaid for the one-on-one because he didn't make it up. So again, it's all about what your team has and the equity you've already built up. But to me, that was, you know, uh, that would, that was not a good trade. Terry McLaurin is better than who it ended up being Justin Jefferson right now. Um, you know, I, you know, maybe in a two years, maybe Jefferson is better this year. You know what? In a PPR he is, but you gave up the three Oh five and the three Oh seven to get it. McLaurin's known. I'm kind of, I felt like this year, especially like I ended up trading for players more than you know, or I, the picks that I traded, I allocated. And I turned a lot of my picks into players that I feel comfortable with because I've seen them in the league already. So I applaud Mike for getting McLaurin, getting the running back I think he wanted, and getting the quarterback, you know, and Herbert that is probably yeah. going to be the quarterback <clears throat> in the future. Yeah, bravo so. to Mike. I thought he had a really good draft. Uh, so let's get past them. Well, let's pick. get past uh, them. Uh, yours truly had the number two pick, and really I, I wasn't going to waste any time here. I, I knew <clears throat> I. I, I I basically closed myself off to offers. Uh, I didn't want any offers, regardless, unless it was Joe Burrow who was going to slide down. I never thought for one second, really, that Joe Burrow was going to slide down. Um, had he slid down, I would have probably thought about it for about 10, 15 minutes. But ultimately, I would have taken him being in this is a super flex league, regardless of myself having Baker, Baker Mayfield, Daniel Jones, and Ben Roethlisberger. You know, ben will retire at some point in the next couple of years. So uh, I do need to think of quarterback at some point. But with my need at running back, to me, it was a no-brainer. And uh, to me, I, I took someone who – uh, is going to be uh, a little Sean McCoy, Brian Westbrook-esque in the most high-powered offense in the AFC right now. And that's, you know, Clyde Edwards-Elair with Kansas City. Uh, I think, you know, he's got all the tools in, in the basket, and he fits an ultimate need that I have because ultimately, let's be honest, my running backs suck because my best running back is Raheem Mostert. Uh, so Darius Geis has been injured. You know, Penny's been injured. I just I needed a running back, and Edward Ezelaire was easily my number one running back on the board, and I, I take him, and I really didn't think twice about it. Well, that is interesting too, because you know it, you kind of you're you're kind of like an onion, man. You got some layers that I haven't really looked at, because like you know I I kind of looked at this today, and I've kind of dissected the draft, but I haven't really seen the effects on the teams. But you know I you know you like you said you do have a much older quarterback stable. Um, you know, that, you know, a few of us do that are going to have to address this at some point or trade or draft or something. Um, but with your running backs as thin as they were, um, I haven't looked, you know, you traded, what did you trade you to get the one? You traded, what did I you traded trade away Phillip Rivers, Rivers and, and 202 for 109 and 309, which turned out to be Jerry Judy and Antonio Gandy Golden. Right. So it's now it's surprising to me when we get to the 109 and you talk about your trade. It does – when I hear your running back core, it is very interesting what you, you – to, to, 
to entertain it, but not really, you know, you never were on the 50-50 side of taking it. So it is very interesting. Um, it, it makes that trade more appealing to you yeah. um, than necessarily yeah, no, value. Eternally, yeah. If that makes sense. Wait, wait, and we'll talk about it. We're, you know, we're leading the witness. So, well, then after that, Brew's been uh, sitting at three after all his trading, and he goes Jonathan Taylor, which, you know, I think for the value this year is probably the best um, running back. I know I personally think Dobbins has the higher upside full dynasty, but I don't think that there's, you know, I, Jonathan, I, I think it's you're picking at hairs. I'd lean on the Dobbins side. But Jonathan Taylor, I think, will probably have more value this year. And ultimately, it may be what and what, um, you know, for the next couple of years to come. So I thought the next uh, – but with that, and then now your brother sitting at 304 with the trade from Cordell, both Bryce – both your brother and Brew trading with – trading back off of Cordell picks. Then he goes J.K. JK Dobbins, which I'm not surprised with, but it is – funny to see in a super flex burrow and who i think Tua is going to be a franchise quarterback for a long time and two is you know a quarterback is yeah, falling down I, draft board you know i look at my brother's quarterbacks and uh you know he's got some young talented quarterbacks here so i can understand him passing hold on hold on hold on he has some young quarterbacks let's not get crazy on talent because i'm i'm i'll go within you know i've i've put my plant my flag for darn i think he's gonna be okay but you know, Derek Carr has been on the hot seat for a minute. Now, I do think he is going to be safe this year. But, you know, Rosen and Stidham, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, uh, Rosen's probably nothing at this point. Rosen's going to be a career backup, it looks like, just because of the way he's starting out. And Stidham, maybe he's something, maybe he's not, maybe he's Maybelline. I don't fucking know. You know, he's he's he is an absolute unknown with, you know, a probably going to be a defense run first offense. So, uh, I am a little surprised um, with the Tua option there. Um, I, 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 I agree with him. It's hard to pass up on Dobbins. Um, but it's just, you know, quarterbacks are going to be a lot harder to find. And I, I, I definitely, when he fell to four right there, I, you know, I think that's – I probably would have gone two if I was him. But, you know, you run, everybody runs their team. It's each his own. But, and he is short on running backs as well. So, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, you got to address a need. And maybe he believes Dobbins is the more, um, you know, foreseeable generational type player because at this point, the front end of the front, the first round, you're expecting to yeah. get guys. Yeah, <clears> I mean, to he, go he for gets a while. I'm not saying he's got a talented crop of quarterbacks, but he has some options for next year. You know, to get him out of next year, maybe yeah. into a draft next right. year where he can take another option, another option at quarterback. You know, there's going to be three or four talented quarterbacks in the first round probably next year. Uh, for the 2021 draft. So there are options next year. So I can understand him ch- taking J.K. Dobbins. But, you know, then, you know, your boy Paul, I, you know, 1-5 takes, uh, you know, he's kind of like the Oakland Raiders of he, – he's the Raiders, Raiders of the Florida Dynasty League. Day. He pulls his card and takes Henry Ruggs. Not only does he, you know, take Henry Ruggs, but he passes on Tua. He's got Tom Brady and Drew Brees. He needed to. Right. He needed a fucking quarterback. Oh, oh, he had Duck Hodges too. I'm sorry. All right. That in his Tua in his, in his Tua was in, in his I mean, pocket and he. Yeah, that's low hanging fruit. Uh, what I think it was, I think it was like because he already he had a misprint uh, a mispick because you know he fat fingered the phone trying to get off the interstate and open the app and ended up starting pressing buttons and you know one of those things where everybody that hasn't mocked. 
on this, which we did the mock, you know, previously that Paul was invited to be on. And we did the mock previously, and Paul was the last man out because, you know, we had 13, 14 invites out there. And he didn't do it. And Sleeper is by alphabetical order, and he's probably rushing his pick and not paying attention. And, you know, hey, it it obviously worked out for somebody because the next person who I actually had a trade worked out with. Um, had Tua not been there, and Tua ends up sliding down to to Daniel, who you know is just gotta be loving. He didn't even hesitate when when Tua fell to him because he's got Mariota, he's got Fitzpatrick, he's got no, Trubisky, he he's no. got Stafford, and now oh, he's got Scam Newton too. So uh, now he's got Tua, and he's just like sitting pretty. Now I will say this: he's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven quarterbacks on his roster, so he's gonna be making some cuts here here late uh, soon, but. Uh, Loving uh, to me, Tua was probably the value pick of, of the first round. Oh fuck! Not not uh, it's not even close. I mean, I don't think uh, I don't think you got a value. I mean, yeah, I get, because everybody else kind of went where they should have. Other than you know, uh, you know, you can argue that you know Lamb and Judy, one of which is a value depending on who you had number one, only because Rugs went before him. But you know, we said on I said on the podcast, Rugs probably has the higher ceiling year one so you know i could i'm not against rugs going necessarily before those guys although you know i think that there's no you know we we definitely think that there are better talents and probably better systems but ahead of two uh yeah i mean two yeah. I mean, no it. He, he just yeah uh, and he just falls right into daniel's lap and then uh the next uh the next the next pick here was intentionally yours and you traded one seven to Cordell for Miles Sanders and Cordell takes DeAndre Swift uh, with that pick. Um, yeah. I I thought when he did that, I thought it was going to be for CD lamb because knowing him and talking to him and we run the, that ridiculous 59 man roster IDP stupid startup dynasty and he was high on, I know he's high on land because we co-commissioned that and we talked about it. So I, that's my assumption was like, that was the pick, you know, when we made that trade, I'm like, okay, you know, it's, it's CD lamb here. That's easy. And that's honestly where I was going to go. Um, if I had that pick, so I, I I'm loaded at receiver, but I, uh, you know, I, I definitely was going to go lamb there. Um, I, I, I maybe would have entertained Swift. I probably honestly would have looked to trade back some, um, if I had the pick, but you know, I'll, I'll you know we try not to grade ourselves. You don't grade you, and I try not to grade me. But I felt pretty good about yeah, it's, the maneuver. It's hard not, not picking to feel the first good round. About so. picking up uh, running back who's <laughs> probably going to finish at the tail end of the RB one uh, category for a, a running back who who may struggle to get on the field at first, and you know we'll battle some other running backs on that team. Um, you know, props for Cordell. You know. Uh, giving up a, a you know, player that he may not have liked uh, for you know someone he did like, so you know what he, he gives up gives up Miles Sanders gets DeAndre Swift, uh, you know then you know Big Shot sitting there at one eight, and I'm thinking he was going to go running back the entire time, and then he sees Ceedee Lamb and Jerry Judy fall to him, so I mean thinking he's going to go uh, you know a wide receiver and obviously and he takes Ceedee Lamb, I'm sure he was just salivating that seeing probably the number one receiver on his board, you know, fall to him at one eight. Yeah. The only thing that disappointed me about that trade is I would have taken lamb 
and it would be two times that I would have dick big shot this draft. That would have made me happy. But, um, you know, I, I think he probably would have been happy with Judy. Uh, obviously, he would prefer Lamb because he has the choice. So I would have been happy to snipe him because we end up by drafts a lot of the times and we end up uh, snaking each other. But I, I was a little bit surprised that he did not um, go running back there, you know, with, you know, you're operating with Montgomery as your number two and then Geo to back up Mixon and then Peyton, Peyton Barber and Gallman and um, Tremont Edmonds and Philip Lindsay who got screwed. He's got Naheem Hines for some PPR, but there's nobody in there that you're like, oh, shit, he's got a real number two. I mean, you're saying Montgomery – is your guy. He got screwed with Damian Williams. I mean, the draft just crushed him. So he does have a lot of bodies, but he doesn't have a lot of uh, excel, you know, great bodies. So maybe he looks at Keyshawn Lawn and Acres. You know, you know, the Rams look like they're going to go really heavy committee. And, you know, we what we expect and hope out of Vaughn does not necessarily mean that's what's going to be between him and Rojo. Um, maybe they split it too much. Maybe they throw the ball more. So, you know, I, CD Lamb's probably the highest player on his board, and I, you, you can't you can't shun a man for that. And you know, with the receivers he has, looking at it, I mean, he's got Sterling Shepard, Jarvis Landry, Marvin Jones, and then Beasley. So, and then Miko Hardman, you know, for the future. So, Lamb could easily be his number. Will be his probably his number one, you know, in the next couple of years, especially depending on what happens with Amari Cooper. So, it that's. A good pick. That's what I would have probably done at 107. Hey, so it fits, it fits what he needs. You know, he gets probably the number one receiver on his board. You know, Bravado, Big Shot, uh, getting a good player. And, you know, sitting tight, who I don't think did. I don't think Big Shot made a trade the entire draft. He just sat tight and, and took players, you know, as they came. Yeah, he 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 took the four in a row. Um, I, I'm not the yeah. biggest fan of his picks, but I'm not, you know, they, they, it's all up to him on if they, you know, if they pan out, you go get your guy. So um, if to, to me with where he picked, who he picked, I would have looked to move to try to trade back somewhere, especially in that second round where there's still action happening with, you know, people looking to make moves and some names on the board that people would want to go up for. Um, I think I would have shot it a little bit, but you know what? He had to Should work happens. and he had to cook. So uh, moving on to pick happen. nine. Um, you know, I, I really was sweating out this entire week on, on this pick because my hope was Jerry Judy was going to fall to me at one nine. Judy was my number one receiver on the board. Um, I made—I don't think I made any any kind of quiet, you know, respect about that. I was pretty upfront about Jerry Judy being my number one receiver on the board, and, and thank, thankfully he fell to me at one nine. It made me very happy. I did have a trade on the board. Uh, for Kenyon Drake here, um, I, I did need some help at running back. But one of the things that bothered me about Kenyon Drake, had he signed a long-term contract with Arizona instead of signing a transition tag, I think I would have taken that trade here. But Kenyon Drake's only on a one-year transition tag. He's He didn't sign a long-term deal with Arizona. So uh, that made me rethink things. And ultimately, I decided to take Jerry Judy here at 1-9, which uh, I, I loved and I thought was great. Oh, I think it gives you really good, really good depth at wide receiver. Um, and, you know, worst case, it enables you to move a guy maybe at the end of the year. Um, and yeah, you, you, you plug both holes. You need a running back and you, you know, you can use depth. Again, we played with the, you know, a flex and a super flex. So, you know, he, you know, may start making your lineup, but you have a really good, you know, smorgasbord of receivers 
And right now, you know, you got some bodies that are serviceable at running back and Clyde. So, I mean, like you said, you got your number one running back, number one receiver on your board. It's tough to argue with. Yeah, you know, no doubt, no doubt about it. About your draft and, coming look, out of that. and then you see some of the picks that come off the board next, which I loved as well. I'm sure, you know, Chris sitting at 10, I'm not sure if he thought Cam Akers would be here at 10. Um, certainly, I didn't think Keyshawn Vaughn would be there at 11 for Emily. And they were both back-to-back, Cam Akers and Keyshawn Vaughn at 10-11. Uh, actually, I had Vaughn and Akers ranked it a little bit higher than DeAndre Swift. Um, I actually thought they were going to go a little bit earlier than they did, and both of them actually fall to 10 and 11. And I thought that was great value for both of them. You know, Emily gets a running back who can pay immediate dividends. Um, you know, Chris gets a running back, Cam Akers, who may pay big dividends this year, but ultimately I think becomes the the top girl of that, uh, that Los Angeles Rams offense. I uh, really like what they both did right there in those picks. Uh, they could have took some of the receivers on the board, like Jalen Rager and Justin Jefferson, but – uh, they went out and dressed running back. They both had some needs at running back. Um, you know, actually, Emily, you know, just really strengthened uh, one of her strengths on her her team because she's got McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, and Austin Eckler, and she just adds, you know, Keyshawn. Vaughn. Yeah, I'm not sure. Plus, she's Are got Carlos high too, so good? she's she's got a plethora of <laughs> running backs. Um, now, Chris, on the other hand, he did need some running back help. He had Alvin Kamara. Devontae Freeman doesn't have a team. You know, he picked up. You know, he's got you know, Daryl Henderson, Brian Hilson, but he did need a running back. So Cam Akers was a good answer. He's got Daryl Henderson there. So that pairs them two to kind of corner that offense, that running back backfield. So bravo to both of them. I thought they, you know, sat back and, you know, reached out and got great picks. Right. And remember, Chris also is a Florida State fan. So if you wonder why Vaughn went before after Akers, there's a clear reason whether you think he's gonna be better or not you know sometimes that bias um is gonna pay out and you know what if you think it's 50 50 you know go with the guy you like more so yeah and whether you then, think he's gonna be better uh, or not. we round out the first round uh james uh has you know multiple back-to-back picks here from trades he's done already in the draft and he takes uh you know he has some receiver needs he's traded jalen rager at this point um, and he's got, you know, at receiver, he does need a little bit of help. He's got Marquise Goodwin, Kenny Stills, Fitzgerald. He does have Amari Cooper. Uh, he's got Calvin Ridley, but he needed some clear run, uh, receiver help. Uh, he takes two uh, very good receivers, in my opinion, with Jalen Rager at uh, 112, and at 2-1 he takes Justin Jefferson, who was the stud at LSU. Uh, he certainly addressed a need with there. I'm not sure if it was worth trading Terry McLaurin to get these two receivers, but – uh, both these receivers come to him. I'm not sure if he thought both these receivers would be there for him, but he ends up taking you know two solid rookie receivers who I think both have good chances to pan out. Yeah, I don't. I I can't say I haven't spoken with him, so I can't speak to what he was thinking. Um, I personally, you know, I think we both have Jefferson higher on the board, and that you know is both ba- probably based off of productivity and um, bias. But, you know, Rager probably is much more likely to be a true number one. So, to me, if that's your guy, I don't understand trading McLaurin for Jefferson. Um, I don't know why he wouldn't think that these guys would be there. Um, you know, and maybe, you know, maybe he had, there's a hard drop off. Maybe he doesn't trust Haskins. Maybe, you know, McLaurin wasn't, you know, a riverboat Ron guy. I mean, there's a lot of things that can be said um but sometimes i think people you know uh, like to trade for draft picks 
because, you know, you have a lot of draft picks and I accrued um, as many second round draft picks as I could going into the draft. Um, not that I, I, I ended up only picking once in the second, in the first two rounds. So, you know, I kind of went more for the second round, second year guys that I felt more comfortable with. Um, so, I mean, to each his own, but I, I don't see, uh, I would be surprised if either of these guys are better than McLaurin this year. And I don't know why, you know, other than the draft pedigree, why either one of them would be going forward with what we saw from McLaurin last year. So, you know, this is the trade that I thought, but James made this trade very early. Um, I, I just, you know, uh, knowing that he had the one twelve two, like, you know, why the 201? But James did accrue a lot of picks, and he did make a lot of picks in the – I think James made three picks in the second round. So – and then he had the 112. So, you know, you got four picks within 12 because <laughs> he had the – yeah, because you had the – he had the 211. So, you know, the 112 that I gave him was that, and the, I actually gave him the 112 and the 211 to move up to the 107. So, I passed up on Jordan Love and Rager if the draft would have felt the exact same way for Miles Sanders. Yeah, that's not bad. I not not, not too that. bad at all. Uh, I did like uh, James's pick of Jordan Love later on, but we'll we'll get to that. Uh, you know, then comes up uh, the pick that I ended up trading to Trace uh, in lieu for Jerry Judy. Uh, Trace sits back and he kind of gave me a hint that he he was big a Denzel Mims fan and he thought Denzel Mims uh, was gonna be there for him when he was able to pick. And sure enough, I had Michael Pittman rated a little bit higher than Denzel Mims. Um, uh, obviously, it's pre- preference, and you know Trace takes Denzel Mims. I think you know in this category after Justin Jefferson, there is a drop off in tier with receivers between Denzel Mims, T Higgins, Michael Pittman, uh, LaVisca Chenault, and Brandon Ayuk. I think really with the five of those receivers, you could probably rank them any way you want. And you're going to have multiple opinions having different rankings. I don't think there's any receiver that really stands out. But for me personally, I thought it was Michael Pittman. Um, he takes Denzel Mims, uh, who's a great receiver for the Jets. Uh, can he, you know, fit in ultimately and, you know, get targets immediately because there are targets to be had in that offense. It is Adam Gaze run offense. So that is one of the biggest questions, but uh, he addresses the need. He picks up a uh, trades back and picks up a pretty solid receiver. Right. With, you know, the personnel around him, Mims has the most likely chance to be a number one based off a of competition maybe everybody but rugs that has been picked before that because everybody else would probably be a number two on their team going into this year, at least um, even Rager, I think it'll be, he'll be a number two to the tight end if nothing else. But, you know, so I, if he's a Mims guy, I, I completely agree. And I do think that there could be a drop off, you know, maybe Mims starts it. I would probably put Mims closer with Rager and Jefferson um, with Pittman. And I think Higgins, I think is it going to be in that, but it's going to take him longer to get there just because of the freaking, uh, you know, rookie quarterback and the amount of freaking people that are there at the moment. Uh, now, if they move AJ Green, that's a completely different story. But I think that the second round it drops in a hurry at receiver, in my opinion. Um, and I was happy with some. I think some of the later guys are better than the kind of guys that went in the middle. So um, you know, so yeah, I applaud him if he, he if he. He'd made the trade and and expected that, then that's really good maneuvering because if you can trade back and get the yeah. guy you wanted anyways, um, my brother I mean, followed him at two three it. and he takes T Higgins. Uh, I, I thought again, my, I was I was more of a Michael Pittman fan here, uh, and my brother's you know starting to acquire some talent with J.K. Dobbins and T Higgins. Uh, then uh, to me, I felt Brew made the the pick of the the second round. 
Um, not only does he trade out of 1-1 to 1-3 and pick up Jonathan Taylor, who's a franchise running back, but then he picks up, you know, at this point you're kind of throwing some darts at the board and hoping one sticks. He picks up Justin Abair when or Justin Herbert when no one really is really very high on him and he's just sliding down the draft board as he really probably shouldn't in a draft like this because it's a super flex, but um, he just slides down the draft board and he's he's there at two four for for Brew to pick up and Brew addresses a quarterback issue that he had because all he had was Aaron Rodgers and Ryan and Tannehill so. Uh, again, bravo to Brew for you know, the draft that he's had. Yeah, and he, I mean, he has a pretty deep, especially, you know, with the trade for McLaurin, he, you know, uh, only more fortifies the receivers that he has. So, you know, and a quarterback has a higher value, even if he doesn't work out. You know, he doesn't have to make it this year. If he kind of starts losing faith, somebody, uh, three nips, Paul, for example, is going to need a quarterback, and he's going to be able to turn around and trade him, you know, if you know if he doesn't feel like he sees the upside there. So, yeah, it, it he would not have fallen anymore. I probably I would have taken him at, at the next pick, um, and but not that I was unhappy because you kept on bringing up Michael Pittman falling, but kind of where we rank him. I was very happy getting Pittman there. Um, I, I think that I to me I can you could argue the Chenault and Ayuk, but I think. Pittman is one of the last receivers um, that could be a number one and uh, realistically probably will be. And that and Pittman, I think, to both of us, could be this year, midway through the season, become the primary guy over T.Y. Um, in this offense. So, you know, I felt really good about him just landing in my lap. Um, I, you know, if, and if, if uh, Brew would have gone Pittman there, I, I probably would have gone Herbert because – I do like Chenault. I think there's a PPR upside. I like Ayuk. I just don't like San Francisco receivers and, you know, in a PPR league and the run first offense. So, um, and the running backs to me are kind of what and what at this point, you know, I felt just as comfortable with the 312 as I did with every running back that went before him, honestly. So I felt, Really good. Yeah, about, um, I, I, look uh, you to know, me that's going that, right I thought it was a great pick with Pittman falling in your lap. Uh, it, you know, it's uh, like I said, I, I think you can make a case for Michael Pittman to even be drafted in the first round in some cases. And I've seen some expert drafts where he has been drafted in the first round for so for you to be able to sit back at two five and get Michael Pittman and uh, you know Bravo to you. And I kind of agree with what you're saying with the Chanel Nayuk. They're kind of what for what. And then the same thing kind of goes for the running backs uh, over the next three running backs that we get to, you know, because Daniel takes Zach Moss, uh, you know, James uh, takes LaVisca Chanel. Uh, Big Shot takes Antonio Gibson at 2-8. Uh, Trace takes Brandon Ayuk at 2-9. Uh, and then A.J. Dillon uh, at 2-10 to Chris. So Chris loading up on running backs at Cam Akers, A.J. Dillon. Um, I, I like the Zach Moss pick. I think he's got he could be seeing some play in time with, uh, alongside Devin Singletary for Daniel. Um, uh, James picks up LaVisca Chanon, who I'm not overly high on. I think just to me because he's a Jacksonville receiver who just receivers I've never been high on because I think that's kind of a, a situation that's in a little turmoil. I think you're going to be looking at a new coach soon. Uh, Leonard Fournette's in trouble. Garter. Dude. He's yeah, got that. Min- I mean, that, he's got that Minshew Chenault I don't know what now. kind of stack. Uh, I don't know what kind of stack that is, but Hey, uh, I guess it's the ultimate garbage time production stack. And then, uh, I thought Big Shot was a little a little high on Antonio Gibson here. I, I get 
Yeah, I thought I I thought that that's one of the that to me is the biggest reach we've had so far. Even more than rugs, I was like, uh, that to me is again like a situation where if that's your guy, like you know James is freaking burning to trade. Cordell's looking to trade. I'm always taking offers. Like I'm looking to trade back. You know James has a pick at you know three uh, two eleven. Like Gibson's gonna still be there. Like I don't see how he's not, you know, but again, big shots of running back whisper. And he, you know, somehow he only got one this draft. So I guess he had to like fill his need, but I honestly, I would have been, I I personally thought AJ Dillon or LaMichael P Ryan, um, even Josh Kelly and DJ Dallas, Darrington Evans. I mean, there's all those guys I probably would put ahead of Antonio Gibson just based off of upside and opportunity because you have the one of the six or seven running backs in Washington now, and I don't, you know, I know he's going to be kind of a, you know, a joystick type guy, but, and Big Shot likes them. He was a Tariq Cohen guy too. So it's a, I, I thought it was a little bit of reach. I mean, yeah, I, I, I thought it was reach big time, no doubt that. about it. And then, uh, you know, so Trace ends up with Denzel Mims and Brandon Ayuk together. Uh, I thought that was interesting, uh, solid two picks for him. I know he was, he liked Ayuk, and uh, I know he was debating between Anthony and McFarlane here. Uh, but he ends up with two receive two young receivers. I, I kind of like that. I, I definitely liked what uh, Chris did though with Cam Akers and AJ Dillon. Uh, I think AJ Dillon is going to be a very good running back in this league. And for some reason, Green Bay just does not like Aaron Jones. And I, I think uh, AJ Dillon could ultimately be the running back to own in Green Bay within you know the next year or two. When you know when Aaron Rodgers is on his way out, Aaron Jones could be very well on his way out as well. Right. I actually, um, when I was uh, coming up around later, because like I said, I was in the attic and sweating on my phone, and which was causing my cue to act up. And um, by the time it came back around to me, I didn't have another pick till 312. I uh, had lost track of the board a little bit, but we had an hour, so I was able to gather myself and kind of searching a few players. And A.J. Dillon was the first one I searched for to see if for some reason he fell. Um, because I was gonna, you know, I was looking for a running back in that spot that I thought would have opportunity with one injury or you know just you know the the ball bounces the right way. So you know I agree with you. I think both those guys with Acres and Dillons, um, yeah, and then, could uh, be a really good James stable here in the next couple years. I really like here because I was actually kind of hoping Jordan Love was gonna slide to me at three two, but he didn't. He went into he went into eleven. Uh, good on James. You know someone who can sit on your taxi squad mature for a year and then you can pull out uh, to put on your regular roster because uh, Aaron Rodgers will be gone after next year, more than likely. Um, so good on him for James. Um, Paul, I'm not sure uh, what the Oakland Raiders are doing again here. Jake Fromm, who really has no chance of starting unless Josh Allen goes down. <laughs> um, not sure what's going on here. I'm not even sure Jake Fromm should be picked at this point, let alone at 212. Right. I, he, this is at this point, this is the worst pick of the draft. You know, big shots pick might've been a reach, but you know, maybe, you know, you, once you get something in your head that you're high on a guy, you can't, you, you start shaking and it happened to me. And I'm like, man, I, I really think this, I don't know if this guy's going to make it back to me. And big shot was looking at 12 picks. So again, go get your guy. I don't think anybody's going to accuse Paul of going to get his guy <laughs> right here. Like if Paul goes Tua at one five and then just takes, whomever next receiver Devin Duvernay that which I think would have been his next pick 
that's a better draft than Rugs and Fromm. So, you know, it's, it's just, just you know. Just yeah. Thank you for playing, I think Paul. This team's we got, appreciate your uh, donation. Trouble written all over in the future, and Jake Fromm and him and Rugs are certainly not going to be uh, to me much help. But uh, moving on to the third round, uh, Cordell's got another pick, and you know he takes Devin Dunbury. Um, you know, we'll just kind of just go through this picks and just highlight a few that we really like and some that we maybe didn't like. Um, uh, at three two, I take Anthony McFarland Jr. Um, my personal opinion was I thought Anthony McFarland Jr. would go in the second round, maybe mid toward the end. He ends up falling to me, and I, I really needed to assure my running back. I, I liked it a lot. Um, at two at two three three, my brother picks up a Michael P Ryan, and then he takes Lynn Bowden at three four, which uh, I think he's got two running backs. You know, Bell, the uh, Michael P Ryan could be a 20 carry a, a person guy a injury away with Le'Veon Bell. So, uh, you know, that's a look. Yeah. I, I, I thought, I thought LaMichael P Ryan might have been, um, I'm just looking at the board real quick. It's probably one of my top two picks of this round. Um, right there, because I, I think what you were about to say when I rudely interrupted you was, you know, he's, he is one hit away. And now he's a, you know, he's an Adam Gase guy. And regardless if, you know, Le'Veon is or isn't, Le'Veon's getting up there. So, you know, they that shift could happen based, you know, Le'Veon's probably at one of the higher injury risk running backs um, in the league. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I thought that was a, I thought that was a really good pick there. I, I'm, I'm not, and I'm not as high on Lynn Bowden. I, I, I don't, I don't dislike the pick, but, um, and I'm not saying that there's necessarily really anything that jumped out that was better. Um, you know, it's it's an interesting spot. I just, you know, you know, you like your guy and back to back. I just, to me, I, I don't know. I just don't know if I have a feeling about him. He's very versatile. So, and John Gruden is very creative, and he's got a lot of pieces to play with now. So, yeah, um, who knows? Yeah, maybe he does um, in the next couple of years. I do. I did have two kind of picks that I did really like in this draft and uh, in this round particularly, and I'll go through them here in a second. Uh, this actual next one is one of my picks. Uh, I thought Brian Edwards going to brew at three, five was a really solid pick. Uh, Edwards to me was one of those receivers who probably belonged in that tier with Chenault and Ayuk. And here he is at three, five for brew to take. I thought that was a very solid pick on his part. Uh, Daniel takes Jalen hurts at three, six, which I really couldn't understand because it just adds to Dale's, uh, stable of quarterbacks with Mariota, Fitzpatrick, Trubisky, Stafford, Tua, Jalen Hurts, and Scam. I mean, I guess you can't ever have too many quarterbacks, but goddamn, some of them quarterbacks are awful. And, I, you know, sit them on your roster, whatever you man. Uh, Cordell has another pick. He takes another receiver and Chase Claypool, who, Vincent, I know you were pretty high on uh, out of Pittsburgh. Yeah, I, I, I trust that, you know, Winter is coming, and Pittsburgh receiving scouting department fucking picks good receivers. So, you know, I think he's definitely a taxi squad guy this year. Let him get a year under his belt. Let him work with him. Um, they have a very young team. I think they're going to let Juju walk if they uh, if they don't try to move him. But I think if Washington and Deontay Johnson can turn into something, um, Claypool is going to be kind of a receiver. You know, they say he's going to be a receiver, but he's kind of got that tight end build. But he's going to be a big go-up-and-get-it guy. You know, Pittsburgh kind of always tries to find that one guy that's a big red zone threat. You know, pretty much they've been looking for it since Heath Miller was gone. Um, I, I just – it's it's a, at, at this round, I think it's a great pick. Um, 
you know, and then two picks later, I think yeah, you made I mean, a great pick uh, as well. As after Claypool went, KJ Hammer went, and then uh, the the 3-9 that I picked off of, off a of trace, I took Antonio Gandy Golden to me, who's just kind of a lottery pick, uh, you know, coming out of literally 6-4. You know, he, to me, he's got a potential for playing time immediately. And to find that in this round right now, to me, is golden. And, in fact, obviously, you know, no pun intended, but Gainey Golden has a opportunity to play immediately. You know, opposite of Terry McLaurin and Steven Sims in the slot, uh, Gainey and Golden has a chance to go up uh, and be that other you know receiver opposite Terry McLaurin. Uh, I know he's going to keep, uh, he's going to attempt to compete with Kelvin Harmon, who's an undrafted receiver over there. But Gainey Golden will have every opportunity over there. And Fallen Gaming Golden, the first two tight ends off the board come off, and that's Adam Troutman out of New Orleans, and Emily Tanks Cole commit. Uh, both of them to me are, are solid tight ends, um, guys who you're going to sit on the taxi squad who really aren't going to help you uh, this year, but uh, solid picks nonetheless. Right? No, I, uh, I, I. I... Unfortunately, out of all those picks, I probably like Big, big Shot's picks the least with K.J. Hamler, um, only because you have Sutton there. You know, even if he gets a role in the slot, you know, they got two young wide tight ends, um, Jerry Judy. I, I just uh, – unless Drew Locke just balls his ass off, you know, I don't – it's going to be – I just don't see a role for all these guys. And I like K.J. Hamler. I just didn't like his landing spot. Um, you know, is he a better – you know, pure receiver up front than Gandy Golden and Chase Claypool probably, but where he went in real life, you know, I, I definitely would lean to those other guys. But, you know, all that being said, that group right there and Brian Edwards, I probably would have gone over uh, uh, Duvernay that Cordell went. So, you know, it's, again, it's kind of pick your poison. You know, I have, I'm have i a Boykin owner, and Duvernay is essentially the Boykin replacement because they were not happy with his performance last year. So, um, I think, you know, it's all of that speaks more to Hollywood's upside. And at some point, somebody had to pop that tight end carry. I knew Emily was very upset when Chris uh, snake Troutman uh, right in front of her. Um, but, you know, this is a very Chris team. Um, just, you know, the Florida State guy, the big Boston College. You know, Chris is an old guy. Boston College just feels like an old school and New Orleans guy. So, you know, I, I, I think I could have scripted Chris Chris's picks just knowing him a little bit and, Emily obviously felt the need for tight end and not as comfortable with the other pieces on the board and, you know, stays balanced and, you know, goes commit, which I don't think there's any chance it pays off this year. Obviously with tight end, it's very difficult to do that, but, you know, arguably the best tight end in the draft and goes to a team that desperately needs a tight end, even though they have seven. But, you know, sometimes if you have seven, you have none, but hopefully commits the guy in the future. And then I finished off, and finally got another pick in this draft, my second pick at 312 with uh, Josh Kelly, which, honestly, I was very happy fell, um, you know, just where he was, especially looking at what's around. Uh, I, I probably – my personal opinion is I would have put Josh Kelly with McFarland and P. Ryan in ahead of Bowden personally um, because I think Eckler, as high as I am on Eckler, I think there are still going to – there's going to be another running back involved. And even if Eckler gets a – percentage of what Melvin Gordon had only to bump up on his, there's still going to be that other guy. And I think Justin Jackson is just a guy. And I think Josh Kelly could take that role. And again, when you're looking at here, him and AJ Dillon, Pirine, they're an injury, Zach Moss, they're an injury away from being 
very involved with an offense. Yeah, I like so, that pick a lot. I was know, actually I was happy to finish Josh the third Kelly round with that. Darrington Evans when I took Andy Golden. So uh, Kelly was on my radar, and uh, I actually, you know, I'm kind of with you. I liked him in, in the range of McFarland and P. Ryan. Um, so he was definitely on my radar. I, that was my other good pick by you uh, at the end of the third round. You know, I thought him falling that far to you was a really good value on your part. And then, you know, starting off the fourth round, you know, Brew actually takes a, a pick in his actual spot. And, you know, he sits at fourth round and Darrington Evans slides to him, uh, followed by Eno Benjamin. My brother takes J- Jacob Eason. Uh, Cordell takes Albert O. Um, then Thaddeus Moss goes at four at four six, which uh, you know I guess it's more of a hometown pick. Uh, you actually trade back into the draft for Van Jefferson. Why don't you talk about that pick? Because I'm not overly high on Van Jefferson, but I, I know you have a little a little feel for him. Yeah, no, I, I traded up. I was still had the four twelve, so I technically didn't put, go full Saints and uh, trade back into a draft, but. Uh, I traded up and really I was I was weighing this pick out and uh, it was him or DJ Dallas for me um, if they were there and I actually was texting James and Big Shot because um, Big Shot picks right after and I was like hey are you interested in moving back and you know you know I was like you know I'll give you my fourth this year and next year um, because at this point I think everybody's kind of dart thrown but I you know kind of just doing the podcast and trying to re- you know read a little bit more um, I don't know if Josh Reynolds I think Josh Reynolds is guaranteed that spot early. But I don't know if he's definitely guaranteed that spot in the second half of the season. Um, you know, I, I love Cooper Cup, you know, but between him and Robert Woods, if one of them go down, there's going to be a lot more receiver play, and they run a lot of three wide receiver sets. Um, I know they're pretty high on Van Jefferson, and some of his draft value was because I think he had a foot injury, so he didn't do much at the combine, if anything, and just that hurt his draft stock in a loaded receiver class. And I don't think he's necessarily – um, of the caliber of, you know, Justin Jefferson and Mims and stuff. But I do think that there – he is in that tier with um, Brian Edward, uh, Edwards, um, definitely with Gandy Golden and Claypool and uh, Duvernay. Like, I don't know. I wouldn't, I don't think he's Chenault and Ayuk because I think those guys are going to contribute. But to me, he fits in with those guys. And when you figure Gandy Golden was drafted at, what, the um, 3-9 – and we're drafting at the 4-7, and no other receiver had been taken. I just – to me, there was a hard cut there. And the only two people – I was I, I kind of I, – I was hoping Quintez Cephas maybe would fall to me. Um, that's what I was looking at, or Tyler Johnson, who actually went right before me. So, I don't know who I would have gone at 4-12. I'd have to go look at the undrafted list because I know I wouldn't have gone fucking Jason Huntley. But, um, to me, it was just a uh, – he was still in a tier ahead of those things. And then it was a big drop off, and I would have gone DJ Dallas a week ago, but them signing Hyde, um, I think if Chris Carson goes down, I don't think there's going to be. I think it'll be true committee, and they'll probably keep on bringing guys in. Marshawn will make a freaking beast mode return. After, you know, uh, it just. It, I, I think that with that offense, I don't think McVeigh's going anywhere. The scheme is going to be there, and if he can fit that scheme, which I think he is a very, he, he's a very uh, professional type of receiver. He doesn't just have the high skill um, upside as like the the speed and such. So I just to me there was a big tier that was worth a fourth round pick. And look, let's be honest, I plan on being the four twelve again. So hey, I don't want to trade up and get your guys. I, and, uh, I, I, you know, I really agree so. with what you're talking about with Van Jefferson and being that tier with you know Brian Edwards and Claypool and Gandy Golden. Certainly, certainly, definitely is there. But 
you know, this was definitely a fun draft to have. Uh, this is my first rookie dynasty draft to have. And, uh, it's certainly a lot of entertainment. You know, the one hour was a little stretch on me. <clears throat> I did make myself available as much as possible, but, uh, it was fun and entertaining to see all the trades go down and, you know, see how, you know, people valued certain players. And, you know, ultimately when you get into those mid to third rounds and fourth rounds, you're, you're throwing darts from here and just hoping someone sticks at this point and, you know, makes a roster and, you know, actually contributes down the road, you know, because half of these guys are probably won't be on teams in, in two years from now. Right. And, you know, as far as, you know, it, it is, again, first time me doing it as well, especially, you know, the linear draft, which changes everything. And, you know, obviously a lot of the favorites come out of those, you know, first four picks because it's, um, it, it's, it's very easy it's much more. It's much more likely to have better players when you're drafting like that. I think that's pretty clear, especially right now. You know, we're not going to know until two years from now who really did the best. You know, overall, but coming out of it, you know, I think you know the front four, you four, all had very good drafts. You know, the two kind of I guess moved the meters to me that you know were were different was you know Paul at five. Obviously, it was terrible. Um, you know, just just didn't have much picks coming in. And didn't do much with them um, based off of, you know, just moves. Um, honestly, uh, Daniels, I, I, you know, we, you kind of glazed over the Hertz pick. I would have taken Hertz at 312 only because I own Carson Wentz. But, like, no other reason do I think that he has standalone value. You know, I don't, you know, I don't, it, it, you can argue he's an injury away because of Carson Wentz um, getting hurt, but, you know, he's still going to be a rookie coming in. And I'm high on Hertz. And I, you know, but, they have a lot of money invested in Wentz and, you know, they're going to use Hertz as a gimmick guy. So, you know, is he even going to be the, is, is it going to be like Teddy in New Orleans when, you know, everybody, you know, it's Taysom, Taysom, Taysom. No, Teddy's the quarterback. So is Hertz going to be that guy? Are they going to bring in a backup? That's going to be a traditional type, you know, and then Thaddeus at the end. And I just, you know, Daniel saved his draft because of Tua, but, you know, I think, you know, arguably from the back half, I, I think James did a really good job outside of that one trade with Terry McLaurin. I just I just can't see it because if he keeps McLaurin and doesn't get Justin Jefferson, but then he gets the three five, which would have been Brian Edwards, and he gets the three seven, which would have been Chase Claypool. So you have Jalen Rager, Brian Edwards, Chase Claypool, and you have McLaurin on your team and not Justin Jefferson. Like I just it was one trade too many for too much. I mean he he gave up more <laughs> to move to the 201 and Cordell Whoops. gave up to move to the fucking 101. I mean, it's just, you know, and I mean, he was now James was moving up, you know, but you know, it's moving. Yeah, it's just, I don't, I don't know. You know, it's a, uh, you better hope people hit. I mean, that's the thing. And again, James is four picks right there in that second round, you know, with the starting with the 112, you know, Jalen Rager, Justin Jefferson, um, Jordan Love, and who am I missing? Oh, his actual pick. And LaVisca Chenault. Like, that's all good. Just, you don't need Jefferson. And just keep McLaurin and get two more picks in the third round. Like, if your whole point is accruing picks, I don't know why you give up a young and upcoming. Like, to me, like, that pick, like, if I gave up A.J. Green, that would make more sense. Because, okay, you get a, you know, you get a couple-year rental, but I'm not giving up Terry McLaurin. It's like, I, you know, I traded for, um, Hollywood Browns. I traded for Sanders. You know, you you want the guy. You want McLaurin. McLaurin is a dynasty buy, not a dynasty sell. So, 
um, it's tough because it's like you, you say, like, you get a really good draft. You just made one of the worst trades in the draft. Um, but, you know, I, I think a lot of people did good. I, obviously, I think Brew uh, really manipulated the draft well. I think you did a good job. Your brother did a good job. And, I you know, people gave Cordell a lot of shit. And same thing with James. If Cordell doesn't make the trade with me, he has a great draft. You know, he went up and got his guy, and he really didn't give up much to go get it. Um, the, his biggest expense came to trading for the 107, which is funny. But, again, one trade too many. But, you know, you see people – See people getting hot and bothered, man. All you gotta do is <laughs> you certainly up, are the art of the, the trade. They thought about it. Um, I, I, you're right. I, I thought my brother had a really good draft. I, I thought Brew had a, a really good draft. I think you're right. He manipulated the draft very well in his favor and ultimately got you know a lot of value everywhere. You know, Justin Herbert in the second round, uh, Brian Edwards in the third round, ends up trading back and gets Jonathan Taylor. So, I mean, he really ended up getting some, some talented players in this draft. Uh, you know, a lot. Along with, uh, you know, I, I thought James, you know, did have a good drive outside of trading Terry McLaurin. Uh, Jordan Love, I really like. He's a pick his, that's going to probably going to end up co- coming online uh, when Rodgers leaves. So I really like that pick. But ultimately, uh, I thought everyone had a pretty good draft. There was some that were kind of duds. I'm not going to really go after the low-hanging fruits like Daniel because uh, obviously Thaddeus Smalls, you know, probably shouldn't have been drafted. Uh, Jalen Hurts, you know, it's more of a lottery ticket, I guess, at this point, because if Carson Wentz obviously goes down, Hurts has immediate value. But um, as far as using him as a gadget player and him having value, I don't think that's going to happen. So, um... No, no, no. I, I I think it decreases the quarterback value because of that. It's like, you know, Taysom. It's like Taysom is what Taysom is. You know, if a quarterback goes down, it's proven that he's not going to be the guy. You know, even this year, it's going to be Jameis. So, you know, if – I, is Jalen going to be a true backup quarterback? You know, I think it's, it's again, it's, it's, you know, bird in hand and eyes of the beholder and all that shit. But, you know, to the backup quarterback, it makes more sense. You know, um, you know, some of these guys, you know, it, it makes more sense. Like Eason's a good pick. It would have been great if Trace would have ended up with him because you just, you know, like if I'm Trace, like I think if, um, well, he didn't have you, he took your, you took his uh, third round pick, but I bet yeah. you, you know, Trace would have been, freaking ecstatic if he would have fell to the four nine because you know that's the you know to, but to me like that's a reach worth willing to make he just because of where the draft went and where his picks ended up going he didn't really have that option in the back end and he just had a big so he would have had to do something similar to me and trade up to go get him and maybe it wasn't worth that but if i traded for philip rivers i would have i would have tried to find eason because wentz is probably much more likely to get hurt but he also has you would think have a much longer career, you know. Rivers may be one year, you know. He may be two, but then you let Easton sit on the bench, and then you got a quarterback in a couple of years. And we're not exactly high yeah. on him, but and, I mean he's got he had all those quarterbacks plug and play with the He's got Brissett and um, Philip Rivers, so it would have fit him well. Um, exactly, he could have the whole room, the whole quarterback room in Indianapolis. Yeah, I mean he could have the whole thing. I mean, but. Right, and we didn't, you know, I, I thought Trace and Chris and Emily did a good job for what they had. You know, Trace was the only one of them that made moves kind of immediately prior. Emily had traded previously to, with me to get Alexander Madison, but I thought they all took good picks when they fell to them. You know, I, it's just – it's tough when you're not on that front end and somebody really falls, you know, um, to, to, to really, I guess, win a – you know, air quotes, win a draft, which ultimately – 
if so if you know if Keyshawn Vaughn becomes what we think yeah. he is, and who knows, and that, that's the luxury of these kind of drafts. Emily, you know, we'll, we'll just find out in two years, so. uh, two to three years, how good some of these players are. Half these players probably won't even be on NFL rosters at that point. So, um, well, Jeff, Mr. Irrelevant indeed. James but uh, I hope you guys enjoyed tonight's podcast. Uh, it was our rookie uh, superflex <laughs> uh, draft uh, for the Florida Dynasty. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, and you can give us a follow on Twitter at Fancy Pandemic. Uh, other than that, I hope you guys have a good night and thank you for listening.